Yeah. That song talks about God's good grace, and God is a good God, and he's here today to meet your needs. But I have to say that some things that come into our lives are really bad. There's injustice and pain and devastation and evil, and we know that God is a good God. He doesn't cause bad or evil, but yet there are times when he allows bad things into our lives, and we'll never understand it completely, why God allows bad things into our lives until we get to heaven, but I know this. God's goodness can come through into your life even on the worst day of your life. I believe with all my heart that God's hope can be experienced on your hardest day, and that's really what this whole adventure that our church is on that we just began last week is all about. It's about how to find hope on the hardest day of your life. And it really comes down to living the one day way because the one day way is the only way to live to experience hope on your hardest day. And we really hope that every one of you get into a life group during this series. Be here every weekend or connect with us online every weekend during this series this gift of one day, and then get into a gift of one day life group because we have all new curriculum and everyone who's in an existing life group or gets into a new life group, we wanna give you a free copy of our book, The Gift of One Day, How to Find Hope When Life Gets Hard because God's doing something amazing in our church. God is working miracles in the middle of pain and problems and hurts and he's the only one that can meet your deepest needs, but he is here right now. So would you remain standing as, I wanna read from Genesis chapter one. And really this is the first gift of one day. And what a powerful verse. Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning the first day. Dear God, we know that so many within the sound of my voice are hurting. They're going through pain and difficulties and problems. And Lord, I know that you know everything they're going through and you care about it and you have the power to see them through. And I thank you so much that you're the only one that gives us hope, and you wanna give us hope in the next few minutes. You wanna work miracles in our lives in the next few moments, and we thank you that you're here to do that and that you're with everyone who's worshiping with us online, everyone at our Atascacita campus, everyone here in the Woodlands. Lord, we know that you're right there, that you haven't forgotten them, that you know the hurt and the pain, and that you're the one who can meet their needs. We pray that you would do that in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. When God set up the framework for how we as human beings were to live life, what he did first is he set up the framework of a day, a beginning and an end, a morning and an evening. It's the only way that we human beings can live life in the framework of one day. Now, God's not limited to one day because he's not limited by time and space. He's in the past, present, and future all at the same time. But we as human beings have to live in the framework that God set up for us. 
It's the only way that we can live one day at a time to experience God's goodness, God's strength, God's peace, God's purpose in our lives. He gives us what we need for this one day. If I open my heart to yesterday, I'm filled with regret because I can't change my past. If I open my heart to tomorrow, then I'm filled with worry because I can't control the future. But when I open my heart to today, I receive everything that I need to make it through the day. I receive everything I need from the Lord God, all the blessings that I need for the burdens that I have for this day. And that's really important to recognize because most of us spend most of our time thinking about what's happened in the past and how we wish we could change it or how we resent it, how we wish it was different, or thinking about the future and thinking we either can't wait to get there so we'll get out of the place we're in today, or just planning for the future, and then we miss the gift of the day that we're in. And so the question I have for you is, how are you measuring victory in your life? What would you count as a victorious life? If you're a believer, that's a really fair question to ask because we are promised to live a victorious life in Christ. So what does that really look like? If you're a parent, do you judge that by saying, well, if I raise my child and he or she is someday an adult and they have made all the right choices in every decision, they followed exactly the path that I thought would be great for them, that would be a real victory. Or maybe in your career, you think, well, let's see, a victory would be if I just keep climbing that corporate ladder and someday reach the pinnacle position in my field, then I'm going to call that a victory. Retire with a gold watch, victory, right there. Or in relationships, friendships, what do you count as a victory? What does victory look like in friendships? Well, is it that you'll have 1,000 followers, 5,000, 50,000? What number would it take? What does it really look like? Because I think for most of us, we don't give this too much thought, and it's easy to get caught up in the way the world measures success and measures victory. But for a Christian, it looks completely different. Now, this truth, the truth that for believers, things are not the same. We have a different yardstick than the rest of the world came so you know, crashing into my heart when I was in high school. Now, I did not grow up learning about the Lord. And so the first part of high school, I'd still never been to church. But that was about the time I started paying a little bit of attention because at Easter, we got an extra day off. That's why I paid attention at Easter. We got Friday off. And it was called Good Friday. And that hit me when I was in high school. I thought, Good Friday, wait, what happened? What are, why is it called that? Oh, it's because Jesus, the one we worship, he died. And I thought, wait, that's the best you have to offer, really? That's good? Good Friday? Well, of course, it turns out it's good for us. It's good for us. It's everything to us. What's good about Good Friday is that we now, because Christ chose to go to the death on the cross and he died for us and he is alive, we now have life in him. It changes absolutely everything. But I'll be honest, as an unbliever, I didn't know what, I just didn't make any sense to me. And that's the same way with the rest of the way we live our lives. As believers, it won't make sense if we try to go by the world standards because victory for us is measured in a different way. Maybe it's time we redefine what victory really looks like. 
And in our hardest day, our hardest time, when we walked with our son and daughter-in-law through the precious journey um, to our grandson's birth, he was diagnosed at 20 weeks old uh, with a, a problem with his kidneys, and we were told he wouldn't live more than a few hours. And walking that journey, it, it, it took a lifetime. It may have only seemed like half of a pregnancy to us. It was, we lived a lifetime of tears and a lifetime of sorrow during that time. And we learned a lot of things. This little boy who lived for one day taught us so much. And so that's what we're sharing with you um, because we know that a lot of you are in your hardest time right now or there may be a hard time coming. And we want you to with us, along with us, um, learn these truths. These are not something that's just um, come up uh, words on paper to us. These are truths that are bone deep for us because we lived them. And when our whole world went dark, this is what got us through. So that's what we want to share with you. And we want to make it really practical, this one-day way. And so how do you really do that? How do you really find this hope on the difficult days of your life? Well, the first thing you have to do is pray just for today. We've all been in that place, that hard place where we've asked the question, God, how do I make it through this day? Not how do I make it through the next five years, but how do I make it through this day? And when our son, Josh and Kelly, lost our grandson after only one day, we were just devastated. We felt so helpless. I've never felt more helpless in my life because you as a parent, those of you who are parents, you get it. Whenever your kids are going through really hard times, you wanna do everything you can to fix it. But there was no fixing this. It felt like my arms were cut off. There was nothing that we could do. We felt totally overwhelmed. And we felt overwhelmed by tomorrow. Tomorrow was just too much. All we could do was think about how do we get through this day? How do we help them get through this day? And really, that's God's plan for us every single day. We started praying a prayer just for today, Lord. Give us what we need. Just for today, Lord, get us through. Just for today. Not five years from now, not five days from now, but just for today. In Matthew 6, 34, Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will have its own worries. The troubles we have in a day are enough for one day. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. I'll give you what you need today. You, you won't find today's blessings in tomorrow's worries. And I love how the message paraphrase puts this same verse, Matthew 6, 34. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Saying God will give you exactly what you need when you need it. So you're not going to look to tomorrow and find what you need today. You can't look to yesterday's blessings to meet today's burdens, but you will find miraculously exactly what you need today, one day at a time. When tomorrow is too much, pray just for today. God, just for today, help me make it through. God, just for today, give me your peace because I feel so anxious. Just for today, hold me together because I'm falling apart. Just for today, be my wisdom because I'm so confused about this decision that I'm trying to make. 
And praying just for today also means that you pour your heart out to God on your hardest days. That when you're feeling confused and angry and hurt and disappointed with God, that you just pour your heart out to God. There was a time where David felt like God had totally forgotten him, that God was nowhere around, and he says this in Psalm 13. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me, forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Now David wrote this when he was in the cave of Adullam. You see, David was anointed as king of Israel, but yet he wasn't king. Uh, It wasn't time for him to be king. And the current king, King Saul, was trying to kill David. David had only served him and served him well. But Saul was jealous, he was trying to kill David. David had to run for his life and he hid in this dark cave in the back of the cave. And there, in that cave, he felt like God had forgotten him. He felt like he had lost God's blessing. He had lost God's anointing. He had lost God's favor. It was a cave of loss. And when we're going into the cave of loss, we feel like God has forgotten us, that God is nowhere around. Have you ever been to one of those caverns? Chris and I several times have gone to some of these caverns, you know, around Texas. I once went into the Carlsbad Cavern in New Mexico. And when you go into these caverns, there's a time where the guide usually turns off all the lights. I mean, that is complete darkness. Some of you who are parents of preschoolers wish you could get their room that dark. Maybe you need to live in a cave to do that, but... I mean, that's complete darkness. Talk about not being able to see the hand one inch in front of your face, complete darkness, and it's in the cave of loss that we can't see anything. We can't see what God is up to. It feels like God is nowhere around. We can't see what's coming next. It feels like God has forgotten us. Maybe it's the loss of a job or the loss of a loved one or the loss of purpose. It's in the cave of loss we feel like God has forgotten us. So what did David do in that cave of loss? He did something that was very spiritual that most Christians would never think is spiritual. He let God have it. I mean, he was angry at God. And he just poured it all out on God and God was big enough to handle it. That's why God said, David's a man after my own heart because He would just bring his true feelings to God and pour them out to God. And that's so very important on your hardest day. It's so very important to pour out your hurt to God. The only thing you can't do is stop talking to him. And it's so interesting that God doesn't answer David. He doesn't tell him all the reasons why, but he's there for David. And and I love, I mean, most of the Psalms is just David saying, God, this stinks, I hate this. And he's just pouring out his grief and his anger to God. I don't know why you're doing this. I don't know where you are in this. Why would you allow this? But then he always takes a turn in faith, even though he doesn't feel it. And he does this again in Psalm 13. He says, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he has been good to me. In faith, he says, you know what, God, I know your love is unfailing, and I even can feel it now. I don't like what's going on. I don't get it. But, but I know that you're holding me up somehow when I feel like falling apart. 
And so I'm gonna trust in your unfailing love. I don't feel it the way I wanna feel it right now, but I trust in your unfailing love that you're not gonna let me down, that somehow you're gonna get me through. And then he, in faith, says, I rejoice because you have rescued me. He's saying, I don't feel rescued right now, but I know that you have because you're gonna see me through. And so I have to pray just for today. And the next thing that is so important to do when you find yourself in a place life has just gotten really hard is to obey just for today. And this is really contrary to what our natural instinct is, that usually the first thing we wanna do when the world goes dark is say, well, forget everything. I'm just gonna go with my feelings. But the best thing to do is obey more closely, hold more tightly to the Lord than ever. I remember when Josh was in high school and we had just taken uh, Josh and some of his friends out to eat and we'd gotten back to the house and the car doors opened up and all the kids tumbled out and I was still getting my things out of the car when I heard someone yell, freeze. And I, what was that? And I looked up to find the most amazing situation, which was that Josh's best friend, Dave, had yelled freeze from you know, quite a ways away. Josh, who was about to reach and he was going to open the door, you know, he was about to unlock it for everyone to go in. He was almost there. Josh was mid-step, just one step away from the door. He froze. I mean, he just froze right there with his foot in the air when Dave said freeze. And all this is happening in a split second. I look down, there is a big copperhead coiled up right in front of the door. Dave, somehow, even though it was dark, I'd forgotten to turn the porch light on, we, he had noticed it. He had seen it from his viewpoint. Josh had not. It was in the shadows. Josh had not seen it. He was about to put his foot down on it. But Dave, from where he was standing, saw it. And the really remarkable thing is, Dave yelled, freeze, and Josh did mid-step. When does that happen? I just thought, what? Are you kidding me? I'll be honest. I love Dave. I don't know that I would have stopped in the middle of a step. But Josh did. You know why? Because they'd been friends for years. And even though all the kids were talking, Carrie and I were talking, we're all piling out, it's kind of bedlam, he recognized his friend's voice, even though he wasn't looking at him. And he trusted him enough to do what he said. He didn't put his foot down and then stop and turn around and say, wait, what is it? What are you saying? Why? That would have looked a whole lot different that night. That evening would have ended up to a, with a trip to the ER, but it didn't. Because in that moment, the relationship that was already built in between those two friends was enough that when one said freeze, the other one just on autopilot obeyed, just said, you know, just stopped, froze. He didn't even have to go through all the mechanics in his mind of like, why would he say that? What situation might be going on? Let's talk it over. He just did it. And the Lord showed me right after it happened, I walked in, I thought, wow, if only I would obey God's voice the way Josh did with his friend, the way he just trusted his friend. If only I would trust God the way Josh trusted Dave. Who knew that a lifetime foraged playing video games would end up in something like that and that kind of trust? And I thought, Lord, help me to trust you like that because trust comes from a place of believing in, understanding, and honestly believing the good intentions of the other person. You are not going to obey someone who you know, you're not really sure if you can trust them. 
You're not sure if they have your best interest in mind. But God will do that for us. And so this verse, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, explains this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not trust in your own understanding. Agree with him in all your ways and he will make your paths straight. Now this verse is a life changer if you put it into practice because it tells us where not to put our trust and where we should put our trust. It says to put all of our trust in the Lord and not to trust at all in our own understanding. Well, let me tell you, I feel like I have a pretty good read on my situations. It's just really tempting to trust myself and to say, ooh, you know what? I feel like I could nudge this situation in just the right direction. You know, I could take care of this one. But over and over and over, the Lord has had to teach me not to trust in what I see and what I think, but to trust completely, radically, immediately in Him. And there's a critical truth here that I don't want you to miss, and that is that you can't fully trust with the Lord with all your heart until you fully acknowledge that His viewpoint is actually more complete than your own. Just as Josh could not see a, a real danger right in front of him because his viewpoint was, was different, God can see things that we can't. I have to trust that actually he created the people that I have relationships with, with and he knows what's going on in their hearts. I have trust that he can look down the road and he knows what's about to happen tomorrow and next year and in 10 years. And his viewpoint, his wisdom is so far beyond my own that I have to lay down my right, and believe me, I hold tight to it a lot of times, but lay down my right to make decisions for myself instead of just obeying what God says. And you learn to recognize his voice by spending time with him. There's no other way. And so what I encourage you to do is spend time with the Lord. Every day, spend a few minutes in the morning, pray to him. That just means talking to God. He already knows what's in our hearts. He knows our thoughts. The Bible tells us before we even, you know, anything comes out of our mouth. But as Carrie said, you know, be honest with him. Pray, talk to God, develop that relationship with him. And the longer you're with him, the more time you spend with him, you'll learn to recognize his voice during the day. And remember, what God tells you to do will never contradict his word. It never will. So if you feel like that, you know, I think God's telling me, leave my family. I'm gonna call you out on that one because that contradicts his word. He's never gonna tell you something that goes against his word. And it's important to realize there is a PNR. When my kids were taking driver's ed, they actually had to say these words um, as to, so that the driving teacher would let them, you know, he'd let them know that, oh, they understood what was going on. PNR stands for point of no return. And so if you're about to go, to, you're coming up to a traffic light, the point where you decide, yes, I'm going through it. I'm not stopping, I'm gonna go. That's your, your PNR. You've committed yourself. Now you can't throw the brakes on halfway through the intersection. You've already committed. PNR. This has happened. PNR means a path that was once open to you is now closed. You have made a choice. You have committed. And it's important to realize there is a PNR. Obedience does have an expiration date. When God gives you an opportunity to go in the right way, and if you keep saying no, 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 wait, I know better. If you're too patient with yourself, time will run out. That door will close. If you think you're going to get around to someday repairing that relationship, if you think you're going to get around to someday uh, you know, dealing with that addiction, if you think you're going to get around to someday living the life God calls you to, but right now 
quite honestly, you want to do it your way, you need to know there is a PNR. There is a point of no return. There is a day where the path isn't going to be there, isn't always open to you to choose the good way. And the consequences fall and they hurt. And consequences from a loving parent are always done with that restoration in mind. And that's what God does. He, he calls us to repentance and he restores relationship with us. But I wouldn't be telling you the whole truth if I didn't tell you that. Jesus says this in Revelation. Um, what, let me tell you this verse, one verse in Deuteronomy. Walk in obedience to all the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land you'll possess. So that's a command with a promise. You can bank on God's promises. And then this, Jesus says, hold on to the truth you have until I get there. Hold on to the truth you have until I get there. This is a big one for me because so often I think as soon as I get the whole story from you, God, and see how this is all going to play out, then I am your woman. I will be happy to obey you. But I'm going to need you to spell it out for me and tell me how this is going to end. And Jesus says, hold on to the truth you have until I get there. And to me, this says that we don't have all the truth yet here on earth. We don't have all the truth yet, but what we do have is enough. It's enough. We need to hold on to what we do know to do. If you don't know all the steps, that's okay. Just do what you know to do just for today. Just for today. Pray for today. Obey for today. And then watch for today. Watch. Just watch out for today. In Psalm 119, it says this. Open my eyes so I can see what you show me of your miracle wonders. Open your eyes so you can see. You know, in the darkest times, I feel like I want to shut my eyes. And when we first found out about Jude's condition, our whole family was just um, in tears, just sobbing on our knees together. And we, we prayed and we, we thought, God, what do we do now? What's the next step? We felt so hopeless and the world felt so dark. But we found that especially on those darkest days, it's so important to watch for what he is doing. Stop looking for what he's not doing at the moment and look and see where he is moving. Psalm 9-1 says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. How can we recount his deeds if we don't notice them in the first place? And then if we're going to recount them, we probably need to write them down to make a note of them. And so that's what we started to do. We, we started writing down every day, starting the day saying, okay, God, we're watching for you. We are watching for any good you do. The world feels dark, but God, you promised us that you're taking care of us, and I am not going to miss what you're doing today. And we would go throughout the day. I went with Josh and Kelly to Cincinnati because there was a, um, just one very small chance that maybe this um, new treatment would work and that our grandson would be able to live more than a few hours. And we threw everything in our lives into that. And um, I had the privilege of being there with them and every morning we get up and say, okay, God, we're not going to miss a thing you do. We are watching for you. I mean, I was holding God to his promises. And you know, you can do that. Search the Bible. Look for those promises. They're everywhere. The Bible is full of promises. And you can take them to the bank. God is always true to his word. And I encourage you to put scripture into your life. Memorize scripture. And you may think, well, that's really hard. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. That's never worked for me. It's hard to remember. I'll bet I could name a hundred songs that you could start singing the words to if you wanted to. I mean, you know, the, you, you can remember things. We all can. It just takes a little work, and that's okay. 
But I encourage you to be practical about it. If you really want to put God's word in your life, then do something simple. Um, find a place that you look at every day and write on a sticky note and stick it there. Maybe it's your mirror. Every day you go brush your teeth. You're standing there. You'll be surprised what your brain picks up just standing there if you just look at that every time you go brush your teeth. Our daughter on the head on the center of the steering wheel um, for, for years she would do that. She'd put a verse right there because you end up seeing it a lot. And what is in front of you, you end up seeing. How many times a day do you pick up your phone? That home screen, that's a great place. Put a verse there. I'll bet you anything. At the end of the week or the end of three weeks, you will know that verse. It will be cold. It will be in your memory. You will know it because how many times a day do we pick up our phones? You, if you read that every time you pick up your phone, if you do that 30 times a day, I tell you, you're going to have it. And that's one more verse than you would have had, right, at the end of a week or three weeks. But let's get serious about it. Keep on learning. Keep on putting his words in our hearts. It's like hay in the barn. And we give thanks to the Lord. We look for what he's doing. And then we record in this book. We called it the miracle book because I thought, you know, we were praying for a miracle. And we, every morning, would look for what God would do. And a lot of days, there wasn't a whole lot, but we would write it down. We would say, I'd say, okay, the, the end of the day, okay, what do we got for the miracle book? Well, the parking lot attendant was... Um, nice today instead of yelling at me. That's a win. We're going to take that. I mean, we're, I mean, we were scraping the barrel some days. God, show us. I mean, where is your goodness? Where is your goodness? And collecting that and writing it every single day. And at the end of the day saying, you did it again, God. You got us through the day. We're going to put our heads on the pillow and sleep. And in the morning, we're going to look for you again. We are watching for you because you promised good. And the good that we were praying for with all of our hearts that Jude Samuel would somehow be allowed to live and um, would live longer. He lived for um, almost exactly 24 hours. That miracle, God didn't answer the way we wanted him to. But that doesn't mean we're going to miss all the miracles that he did. It also means, doesn't mean that we're going to have any less days with Jude. You know, we have eternity with him. He will not come to us, but we'll go to him. And I tell Josh and Kelly, I'm older. I'm going first. I can't wait. I'm going to hold that sweet boy again. But we're not going to miss out on what God did do. Martin Luther King said, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. I think that really relates to this kind of one-day living because most of us can live well and do the right thing on a day that's easy. You know, you stay home all day and watch TV and you think, well, I didn't blow it today, God. This is awesome. It's the hard days. When life gets hard, obedience counts more than ever. So what we encourage you to do is this. If you're in a dark time, be hyper alert for what he is doing. Search the horizon because the dawn is coming. If you search hard for evil and hard stuff, let me tell you what, you will find it in this world. You don't have to look very far. But Jesus promises us that if we ask, if we seek, if we knock, we will find him. We will find him. He is there for us. So keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep looking and searching and praising him for what he is doing. Keep your eyes fixed on where he is moving and he will take care of you. So you pray just for today, you obey just for today, you watch just for today, and then you trust just for today. This is so important that we learn to rest in God's goodness, to rest 
that God is taking care of us. So how can we trust just for today? You can trust because God will never leave you, so he will never leave you today. If you're a Christ follower, Hebrews 13, five tells you, for God has said, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. Sometimes like David, you will feel totally forgotten by God. You won't be able to see in that dark cave of loss what God is up to, but I can tell you that he won't leave you. He's right there with you. In fact, David, who said, God, how long will you forget me forever? Wrote this same thing later in Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And so if your heart is breaking today, if you feel crushed today because of a loss, I can tell you that God is closer than he's ever been. He's right there with you. And there'll be times that you can't feel it, that it feels like God is nowhere around. But as David looked back on his life, when he was in that cave of loss, he realized that God was closer in that cave than ever before. God is closer than he's ever been in your life. He's right there. He will never leave you. And I have to say that Christ followers and non-believers go through a lot of the same stuff in life. I mean, I wish I could tell you, once you become a Christian, everything will be perfect in your life. You'll never have any more problems. You'll never have any pain. You'll never have any loss. You'll never have any tragedies. But I can't tell you that. But I can tell you this. You will never have to walk through anything alone. You will never have to go through anything alone because Jesus Christ will be with you and he will walk through everything with you. He will be in you to hold you up when you can't hold yourself up. And that makes all the difference. You know, I don't know how people without Christ make it through the tough times in life. I just don't know how. I don't think they do very well. But I want you to see that you can trust just for today because God will never leave you and God is fighting for you. God is fighting for you today. You know, there are times when I I just can't fight anymore. There are times when I'm just worn out emotionally and spiritually and physically, but God is still fighting for me. In Deuteronomy 3.22, says, do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. Maybe you feel like giving up. Maybe you feel like you can't fight anymore, but I know that God is still fighting for you. God loves you. God will see you through. You see, you can trust just for today because God will never leave you and God will fight for you. But most importantly, heaven awaits you. I heard about a, a guy who went to the pearly gates of heaven. And there he met St. Peter, and St. Peter said, have you trusted Christ? And he said, yes. And then St. Peter asked him, have you done anything with your life that's made a difference? And he said, well, once I came across this motorcycle gang who was harassing a woman, and I, and I came up to the, the leader of the gang, and I mean, he was just muscle-bound. He was ripped, but I hit him over the head. I kicked his motorcycle over, and I said, if you keep harassing her, you'll have to deal with me. And St. Peter was really impressed, and he said, when did this happen? He said, just a minute ago. (laughs) You may not go to heaven in one minute, but you will be there one day if you're a Christ follower. You will be there one day, and that one day makes all the difference for this one day. 
you know, God says one day all the things that are wrong, and there's a lot that's wrong in this world, will be made all right. It's not all right that there's so much evil and pain and injustice and heartache and brokenness in our world today. That's not all right. It's not all right that Jude's kidneys didn't develop the way they should have, and therefore his lungs didn't get strong enough. It doesn't feel all right that he was only given one day on this earth when I've been given 20,000 and something days. That doesn't feel all right, but I know one day, one day, everything that is all wrong here on this earth will be made all right by God in that perfect place of fulfillment in heaven, and that changes everything today. Without that one day, there is no hope for this one day, but there is one day coming where God's gonna make it all right. And heaven one day gives us peace today. Heaven one day gives us hope on our hardest day. Heaven one day weighs in when life outweighs us. Living in the light of eternity changes everything. I wanna just leave you with this last verse, Revelation 21, four and five. He, Jesus, will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever, and the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. You can count on it. He says, you can count on heaven, it's as real as this room that we're in right now, and it's a place of total fulfillment. A lot of people think, you know, I don't know if I wanna go to heaven because, I mean, it seems really boring, sitting on a cloud, playing a harp, wearing a white robe. I mean, I don't know, I think hell sounds more fun, playing pool with all my buddies, drinking, you know, and that, that sounds more fun to me. No, that's not what hell is. Hell is total separation from God, total emptiness. But heaven, on the other hand, is perfect fulfillment where we'll do the things that bring total fulfillment in our lives and where Jesus will be there, the light of heaven, to wipe every tear from our eyes. No more crying, no more sorrow, no more death. Praise God in this place where he'll make everything new. And that's why, in the meantime, what victory looks like in this life is day by day, by day, choosing to follow Christ. Being willing to look more like him, do whatever it takes to follow his words, obey his commands just for that day. You know, when we got on the plane to come back from Cincinnati to Houston, and we did not have that precious little boy with us, didn't feel at all like victory. Nothing about that felt like victory. But I'll tell you what victory was. It was every single day leading up to that that Josh and Kelly every morning saying, God, we're gonna follow you today. We don't feel like it, doesn't look like anything is going right, we're gonna, feel it. We're gonna follow you anyway. And doing that day after day after day, and after Jude went to be with the Lord, and they didn't feel like getting out of bed in the morning, none of us did. I just wanted to pull the covers over my head and be done. I felt like, you know what? I don't even know if I wanna be alive in a world where there are two-foot coffins. Shouldn't be any such thing. But we chose anyway, not because we felt like it, but because God is true and faithful and we love him and he is a good father. And we're gonna hold on to that with all our might, even when things go black, especially when things go black. And day by day by day, 
living it one day at a time. He will fill you with peace. Oh, the longing is still there, believe me. We long to see Jude. But you know what? We long to see Jesus. Jesus is the reason that we can keep on going. There's life and more life. There's more life to come. So hold on, hold tight to him just for today. We just don't understand eternity because it's more than we can fathom. There's so much about God that we cannot understand. And that's why David would always turn back and say, I don't get this, but I know you know more than me. I'm so glad God understands so much more than I do because if I was as smart as God, we'd all be in trouble. If God's not any smarter than I am, and I'm so grateful that God understands eternity because he's already there. But I, I remember talking to my dad when I was a kid about eternity, and it's like, that's forever. What is, I mean, I can't even fathom that. And my dad said, well, just imagine this. He said, just imagine that a seagull comes to the beach and he picks up one grain of sand and flies away with it. And then the next year he comes again and takes another grain of sand. And then the next year he comes again, takes another grain. And my dad said, when all the grains of sand are gone from the beach, eternity will have just begun. You see, we can't even fathom it, but we live on this earth for this little bit of time, but then eternity just keeps going on and on and on and on. But it's what you do in this little moment of time on earth that determines everything for eternity. What you do with Jesus determines where you spend eternity. What you do for Jesus determines all of your rewards in eternity. And so I want us to stand right now. And if you're not sure you'll be in heaven one day, you can know for sure. All you have to do is trust Jesus. It's not about your good works because you can't get there based on your good works. Nothing's good enough for perfect heaven. But you can go there because of Jesus. And you can receive him right now. Let's bow our heads. And Lord, I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice that's not sure they'll be in heaven one day, that you would just help them, Lord, surrender totally to you and receive your free gift of salvation right now by praying this prayer silently in their heart. Dear Jesus Christ, I need you. I admit I can't save myself, and I ask you to save me. I receive your free gift of forgiveness and salvation for all my sins Come into my life with your Holy Spirit and change me from the inside out. I surrender to you and ask you to be my Lord. Help me follow you one step at a time, one day at a time from now on. And I thank you that my one day is assured that I'll be with you in heaven. And Lord, I pray for everyone who's going through their hardest day, their most difficult time. Lord, there's no words. There's no words that can bring comfort. But you can your presence, because you will never leave them. You're still fighting for them, and heaven awaits them. Lord Jesus, hold us up and strengthen us, and I thank you for your miracles. I pray you would open our eyes this week as we're in this church-wide adventure. You would open our eyes to really see your miracles, because many times the miracles are in the mundane things of life. The miracles are right in the middle of a mess, and I pray you'd open our eyes so we wouldn't miss the miracles, that we wouldn't be thinking so much about yesterday that we miss the blessing today, that we wouldn't be so focused on tomorrow that we miss all the goodness that you want to bring today. 
Help us, Lord, live in the light of eternity, knowing one day all that's wrong will become all right. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Woodland Church, I want us to sing to the Lord and magnify him because when you sing like David did, even though he didn't feel like it, when you sing, even though you don't understand it, even though you don't feel like singing, you sing in faith, I mean, God just ministers to you because he inhabits the praises of his people. And many times God breaks chains and many times God opens doors and many times God just lifts you up and holds you and you feel his presence like never before. And so we just want you to sing to him, to lift him up right now. Let's praise him because Jesus is the answer. I don't have all the answers, but I have the answer, Jesus Christ. Do you believe that, Woodland Church? Let's just thank him and let's sing in faith. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodland Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.